we're going to be this morning. We're going to continue on to where we were before. Philippians chapter 2, and we stopped and we did verses 1 through 4 last time. And uh, verse, uh, verse 5 is where we'll pick up this time. Verse 5 through, actually verse 6 through 11 is called the Carmen Christi. It's called the, the hymn to Christ. It's, uh, it's one of the most, uh, I don't know, it's one of my favorite passages. And it's one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. And it's real theologically deep and it's a lot of stuff in it a lot of things that you will definitely need to know so it's one worth worth memorizing it's one worth studying on um last time we were here we talked about some hard things we talked about esteeming others better than yourself and you know things that are not easy you know things that are goes against what we uh naturally want to do and so uh paul is going to use jesus himself as an illustration but before we get into the passage before we get to uh, start reading, let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Let's ask His Spirit to come and, and to open our hearts and to open our minds as we, uh, as we read His Word. Father, we love You. We come before You today thanking You, God. We are so thankful for Your mercy. We're so thankful that we can come into Your presence, that we can come and we can uh, glorify Your name through our singing, through our, our heart attitudes, God, through our, our minds as we lift them up to You, Lord. And and uh, we're thankful that we get to hear your word. We're thankful that you're a God that's not silent, but one who has spoken, one who has given all that there is to give so that we could be saved, that we could, be, we could come into your presence and we could uh, uh, be called your children because of what you've done for us. God, we ask that you would be with us today as we read your word. Ask us, uh, we ask uh, you, Lord, that you would uh, just reveal yourself in this passage to us, that you would show us, show us Jesus, God, today. That's why we're here, and that's what we're here for, and that's what we want to see. That's what our hearts long for. We thankful, we thankful for that, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in Philippians chapter 2, uh, last time we were here, like I said, we were talking about esteeming others better than yourself. We were talking about uh, looking not each on your own things, but on other people's things. And if you're like me, you were probably thinking, well, wait a minute now, that's, that's, that's kind of hard. I mean, of course, we know that we're supposed to do that. We know that it's a good thing, and we know that that's what we're supposed to be. But when you, uh, <clears throat> when you start putting that into practice, man, that's rough. That's a hard thing to do, especially... You know, especially if you got some folks that are hard to get along with. I mean, it's a lot. Let's just face it. It's, it's some folks that's hard to get along with in this life. It's in the church, in our body of uh, believers. It's some folks that's hard to get along with. And so Paul says to the Philippians, look, guys, you are to, you are to look on others better than yourself. You're going to look on that person over there and you're going to say, that person is better than me. You're going to esteem them better than yourself. That's what we saw last time in verse uh, 2 and 3 and 4 in Philippians chapter 2. And he says, you're not just going to look at your own things. You're not just going to have regard for your own life, for your own happiness, for your own well-being, for your own stuff. You're going to look on the things of others. And we see that throughout the New Testament. Love one another. Bear one another's burden. I mean, you just start counting up all those one another statements. Uh, And so, really, I'm sure the Philippians were thinking the same way that you and I are thinking. When you hear something like that, you're like... Really? I mean, man, I mean, I understand that's what I'm supposed to do. And I understand that's, but I mean, come on, you don't know some of the people I have to deal with. I mean, are you, are you serious? That's kind of rough. And so you ever remember them bracelets that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, Paul is going to show us an example of what we're supposed to be from the life of Christ right here. He's going to use this, this 
him to Christ, this, this saying here from verse 6 to verse 11, he's going to use it kind of like we use sermon illustrations. He's going to say, this is how I want you to be. And he's going to show us, you've probably heard me say over and over again, that if, uh, if, if I have something against you and I refuse to forgive you and you're my brother or sister in Christ, basically what I'm saying is Jesus is not good enough to forgive your sins. I need something more. You've probably heard me say that. Paul is going to use that same line of thinking right here, and he's going to show us what Jesus has done for you. He's going to show you what Jesus has done for you. And likewise, you are supposed to have that same mind when you deal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about within the church. We're talking about fellowship with each other. We're talking about loving one another. He says in verse (coughs) 5, let me just read verse 5 through 11. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who Jesus being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's, the, that's called the Carmen Christi, the hymn to Christ that uh, folks uh, uh, reference. The example that he uses, listen, you guys, me too, all of us in the body of Christ, we are to have the same mind in us that Christ had in us. Now, don't miss the point. I'm going to show you. This is one of my favorite passages. This is the passage right here that you need to know when the Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking on your door on Saturday morning when you're trying to sleep in. It's the passage you need to know when the, the oneness folks are denying the Trinity. And I, we'll, we'll get into all that. It's very theological. It's very deep. I love to, to plumb the depths of who Jesus was and, and who Jesus is and what he has done for us. But don't miss the point when we get all in this. What is the point of this passage? The point is the very first verse. It says, let this mind be in you. The point of the passage is you and I are to humble ourselves and to think of one another better than ourselves in the same way that Jesus humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a man, uh, died on the cross, died, uh, uh, made himself obedient to death, even the death of, of the cross. And then God the Father glorified him. We're not to seek our own glory here. We're not to seek our own way here. We're not to seek uh, to push others out of the way. We used to have some folks that uh, way back when we started uh, the, the youth deals and we would go and, uh, some of the adults that would go with us would, uh, they would butt in front of the, all the kids and get in front of the line at, P- at the pizza place, you know, and just to get their plate and stuff. And we had to tell them, you know, this really is the youth thing. So you might want to wait till the end. We're not to seek the, we're not to seek the first place. The, the, the new Testament tells us over and over again, who's going to be last. It's the first that's going to be last. And it's the last that's going to be first. We're, you're going to, you want to be Lord over someone. He says, you become their servant. Jesus came as a servant. And so we're going to talk about all who Jesus was and all the things that he did, but don't miss the point. The point is not just so you can know all this theological stuff. The point is not so you can know uh, all the arguments that you need to have when the Jehovah's Witness come knocking on your door on Saturday morning. The point is that you and I are to humble ourselves and to think of one another 
Esteem one another better than ourselves in the same way that Jesus did. That's why Paul is writing this here. Let this mind be in you. He just told us, esteem others better than yourself. He just told us, don't don't mind just the things of your own, but you mind other folks' things. You mind the things of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he gives us this sermon illustration, this example. Let this mind be in you, which was also in, in Christ. So let's look at this mind that we're supposed to have. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, what it's showing you here, let me go and read seven too. It says, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness, made in the likeness of men. Jesus existed. We did a thing on the Trinity not long ago. Jesus existed in the form of God. Uh, in equal with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit from all eternity. Before there was creation, before there was trees and grass and sun and wind and atmosphere and space and planets, before there was anything created, when there was absolutely nothing but God, God existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about that before when when we spoke on the Trinity. And so it says, Jesus, look, He had position. He had the highest position you could possibly desire. Being equal with God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means he didn't, uh, he didn't, you know, nothing can be equal with God. You got two things that exist in this world. Y'all with me? Say amen. Okay, we all wait. You got two things that exist. You got everything that was created and you got whatever was not created. And there's a big line drawn in between. So you got on one side, the things that were not created, there's only one, God. You've got God and you've got everything God created. Everything. That means spiritual beings, uh, the spirit world, the physical world, the space, space, planets, stars, air. You got everything that God created and you got God. And there's a line right down the middle. Understand what he's saying here is Jesus is on God, the God side of that line, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the first created being. He's not a created being at all. No matter how, how high you exalt a created being, you can say he was an, uh, like if you say I took this angel and we exalted him to the highest heavens and God bestowed on him all these things and all this stuff. He's still a created being. But Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's talking about the Father. And so th- no one could say that. No one could say that. In fact, you can see it in John. The Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus. And Jesus said, for what good work are you trying to stone me? And they say, well, not for any good work we're trying to stone you, but you being a man, make yourself equal with God. No one could say that. But the Son of Man, the Son of God could say that. He held the highest position possible. None of us hold that position, but boy, we think we do, don't we? I, I don't deserve to be treated this way. I don't deserve for so-and-so to treat me this way. I don't deserve what those folks do to me. I don't deserve, I'm, I'm owed something. When we, when we push for our own way, when we push for our own goodness, when we push for our own whatever, what we're saying is I deserve better. But didn't the passage just tell us in verse two and three to esteem others? better than yourself. Didn't it just say that? Understand what Jesus did. Jesus was the one who did actually deserve 
all worship, all glory. He deserved as God, being as God in the form of God, by nature, God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't hold on to those things. He didn't hold on to what was his and say, I'm not giving this up. I deserve this. I'm not giving this up. But look what it says in verse seven. It says, but he made himself of no no reputation. He didn't hold on to that like we do, don't we? Our stuff, you know, I'm not giving up that. I'm not giving up my, I'm not giving up my rights. I'm not giving up my, my, my freedom to get to be in first line at, at the chicken. I, I'm thinking about this because I want y'all to watch. I don't know how many of y'all are staying, but watch. Watch who's running for the front of the line at the fellowship meal. You know I mean, not that somebody's got to be first, but I'm saying, watch who takes off running when he says amen. He says, look, he says, look, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't fight for his own. This is mine. I deserve it. It's mine. I'm going to keep it. Even though it was most certainly him, his, and he deserved glory. He deserved for every knee to bow, for all to honor him. He deserved all those things. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God in nature. But look what he did. It says he made himself of no reputation. When you're dealing with the With the oneness folks, they believe that the son of God didn't exist until Bethlehem. They believe the son of God was just Jesus's human part. And so when you when you're dealing with those folks, you you know, this passage, you can say, but look, it says he made himself of no reputation. He in eternity past, when he was uh, by nature, God in fellowship with God, the father said, I will lay all this down and go and be born in a manger in some uh, backwater town called Bethlehem. And I will become a man so they can be saved. So people can come to you. He said, Jesus said, being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. We don't want to do that, do we? I mean, we don't do that, but we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to make ourselves of no reputation because really that's all we got to strive for. That's what we got. I'm going to hold on to my stuff. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. Nobody's going to treat me this way. They're not going to get away with that, what they've done to me. We hold on to that. But Jesus, being in the form of God, did not hold on to his rights and his privileges and his honor. But he humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Now, understand this. Jesus did not lay aside his godhood, his deity. He was still God. What he did was... He took something upon himself. He took on the form of a servant. He took on the nature of man so that he became God and man. He he didn't lay aside his godhood. He laid aside the prerogatives of his godhood. He came and was born just like you and I are born. He came and he grew just like you and I grew. He had pain just like you and I have pain. He suffered like you and I suffer. He was hungry. He slept. He, he, he did the things that we do. He took on the form of man. Imagine this. 
God from all eternity, power, glory, the radiance of that station to be God saying, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to take, I'm not going to lay, lay aside Godhood, but I'm going to take on this frail form of a servant. I don't know about you, but if I was God and I said, you know what? I'm going to become a man. I'm going to be king. You know, I'm going to come as king and all y'all going to bow down to me. Uh, I don't want to hear nothing. I mean, I created all y'all. I'm king of the world. This is how it's going to happen. I'm going to come down. And if you say anything about it, I'm going to, oh, you're dead. That's how I would come. That's not how he came. He came as a lowly servant in a, in a back corner of the world that nobody was paying attention to. And he was the lowest of the low. He made himself of no reputation for you and for me. And Paul gives us this as, a, as an illustration. We don't do that, do we? See, when, in verse 2 and 3, when he said, look, I want you to esteem others better than yourself. That's what he told us. And I want you to uh, not just think on your own things, but think on the things of other people. We're thinking, are you kidding? Nobody does that. How am I supposed to even begin to do that? And Paul gives us the example of Christ saying, I want you to do it by letting this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He actually deserved the station that he was at. You and I are just people like everybody else. He was God himself in the form of God, not robbery to be equal with God. But he didn't hold on to that. He didn't grab onto it and say, this is mine. Like those birds on Finding Nemo, mine, mine. He didn't hold on to it. He said, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to make myself of no reputation. He did it himself. He laid it aside himself and took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. We don't do that. This is a king who said, you know what? I'm going to come as a humble servant. It reminds me, there's this great story. You probably ain't going to think it's that great, but it really stuck with me when I first heard it. It was about this Roman general. His name was Gaius Popilius Lene. I don't know if you care. But anyway, there, there was this like 200 years before Christ and there, this uh, Antiochus was a king of the Seleucid Empire. And he, anyway, he was a king who thought he had it all going on. He was going down to attack Egypt, the Ptolemy. Uh, and he was going down to attack. And this Roman general with his legion met him on the way. And he said, um, excuse me, uh, Antiochus, the Senate, Roman Senate was, we've decided that it's not a good idea for you to attack them. And so you need to turn around and go home. Uh, this is not going to happen. We're not going to allow this. And Antiochus thought he was the man. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll think about it and I'll let you know what I decide. And so this, this Roman general with his legion right there, he gets off his horse, he goes and he draws a circle around this, this king on his horse, draws a big circle around on him. He says, you take all the time you want Antiochus, but you better have decided when you step out of that circle. See, this guy thought he was king and he thought, you know what, I, I'm, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I got power and I'm going to do whatever, you know. But really, he got to looking around after he drew that circle and the guy said, you better, you better, you better decide before you step out of that circle. And Antiochus looked at that legion and he said, I think I'm going to do what the Senate tells me to do. And he turned around and went back home. That's like us all the time. We, we think that we're in control of our own life. We think that, look, I'm, I'm king of my own stuff. I'm master of my own destiny. Nobody's going to treat me this way. I don't have to put up with this. 
I don't have to give myself for other people. I don't have to invest myself in other people. That stuff hurts. It's not fun. And they're always after me. And I don't, you know, I don't have to do all that stuff. And, you know, it's like Jesus coming and he says, look, he draws a circle around you and says, fine. But you better decide whom you're going to serve before you step out of that circle. What do we say? We say, just like Antiochus, we say, give me some time. I need some time. Let me deal with it. And then I'll come. Let me, you just give me some time to kind of process this. Give me some time to forgive these folks. Give me some time to just do my thing. Jesus says, you got all time you want. But if you're going to follow me, you better decide before you step out of that circle. You better decide before you come. And this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus did. He, he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant. Look how far, look how far he humbled himself. It says he was equal with God by nature. God in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Step one, he made himself no reputation, took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Step one, he became a man. He didn't just take on the skin of a man or the body of a man. He took on the nature of a man. So he became God and man. He took on the form of man. He was both God and man. He laid aside the prerogatives of his deity. That was step one, that God himself in radiance and glory, who deserves all honor, who deserves all praise, who deserves all worship. He became a man. The second step that he humbled himself, he didn't just become a man. He became a servant. He became a slave. I told you, if I was God... And I decided I needed to come be a man. I'm going to be king of the men. I'm going to be king. I'm going to tell y'all what to do. And people are going to honor me and they're going to glory over me. They're going to do those things. It's not what Jesus did. He became a man. Not only did he become a man, that's dropping way down. That's dropping below his station. But he came the servant of men. Not, not only was he a man, but he was the lowest of the men. He wasn't king. He wasn't governor. He wasn't he wasn't ruler. He was servant in a in a backwater place in a over in the corner part of the world that nobody was paying attention to. He was a servant, but he didn't just humble himself, become a man, then become a servant. But he humbled himself, he says. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself again. And became obedient to death. Not only did he become a man. Not only did he become a servant. The lowest of men. But he became obedient to death. He didn't deserve to die. Understand what's the wages of sin. It's death. He never sinned. He didn't have to be obedient to death. He didn't have the sin of Adam staining his life. He was without earthly father. He was, he was conceived of the Holy spirit. So he didn't inherit the curse that you and I inherit from Adam. He was free from the curse, free from the bondage of sin. He didn't have any of that hanging over his head, but yet he chose to become obedient to death. No one took his life. He laid it down. So he became a man. This is God himself. Very God of very God. Before the creation was formed, God himself humbled himself, made himself of no reputation by becoming a man 
not only becoming a man, but become the, becoming the lowest of men. And not only becoming the lowest of men, but became obedient to death that he didn't deserve. He stood in for you. He stood in for me. That's the mind of Christ that we're supposed to have. But we don't do that, do we? I don't. I don't say, you know what? They're better than me. I'm just going to, I'm going to sacrifice my whatever for them. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my talent. I'm going to sacrifice my, my, my whatever so that they can see the love of Christ or so that they can prosper, so that they could be loved, so that they could be comforted. We don't do that. We hold on to it. It's mine. You're not going to take it from me. Jesus not only became a man, not only became the servant of men, but he became obedient to a death that he didn't deserve and didn't have to have. No sin. He was not subservient to death. He chose to die, to become obedient to death. And not only, look how far he went. First, he became a man. It's showing you the steps, how far Jesus humbled himself. He became a man. He became the servant of men. He became obedient to death, not just any kind of death, but even the death of the cross. I don't know if you all know this or not, but crucifixion was the most humiliating thing that could possibly happen to you in the Roman world. There was a law that Roman citizens could not be crucified. Did you know that? Didn't matter what they did. If you were a Roman citizen, you were not subject to crucifixion because Rome was big about making Romans look good. Rome was big about not being humiliated. Rome was big about their pride and we're Romans and the eternal city and blah, blah, blah. So Roman citizens weren't allowed to be crucified. It was that humiliating. The crucifixion was usually saved for the lowest of the low, either enemies of the state or just the lowest of the low. And understand, you probably already know this, but when you when they crucified someone, you know, I know you've seen the movies with the loincloth and all that. It was, they were naked. There wasn't no wasn't no diaper that you see in the movies. They were naked. It was public and they were nailed to the cross, either in the hand or in the wrist. One of the two. And so, you know, the, you know, the deal, you know how people died on the cross. They didn't die from just bleeding out. They died most of the time. Jesus died very quickly. But most of the time they died by suffocation. Because when you're hanging from those things and your knees are bent, nailed through your feet. The only way to breathe, your diaphragm is stretched. The only way to breathe is you push up, take a breath and then let out. And after about five or six days of being on public display, naked, no food, no nothing. People usually just got so tired they couldn't push up anymore to breathe and they suffocated to death. That's why the Roman soldiers came. They were trying to hurry the process up. And what they do? They broke their legs. Why did they break their legs? So they couldn't push up anymore. They would just suffocate. And they came. And of course, Jesus was already dead because of the beating that he had already taken. It was the most humiliating, degradating excruciating. That's where that word comes from, by the way, excruciating from the crucifixion. It was the most degradating thing that you could possibly be exposed to. So look what Jesus, look what Jesus did. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, the highest station in the world, in the universe, in creation, in out, outside of creation. There can be nothing higher than God himself. He had the highest station possible. And he chose to humble himself, take the form of a man, 
but not just any man. Take the form of a man and be the servant of men. To wash men's feet. To be ridiculed and beaten and humiliated. And not only that, he became obedient to a death that he wasn't subservient to. Death had no hold on him. He gave himself to be killed. He gave himself. He became obedient to death for your sake. Not just any death, but the most humiliating, degradating death you could possibly imagine. Crucifixion. So look what mind Paul is telling us to have. The mind of Christ. This mind that thought it was, this mind that was in form of God. The highest station possible became a man, became the servant of man, became obedient to death. The death of a cross. And it says, wherefore God, the father, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Because Jesus humbled himself from the heights of divinity all the way down to the humiliation of death on the cross. God has given him a name which is higher than any other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you see, there's a, there's a passage in James, I'm not going to read it, where it says, it's James chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. Read that sometime. Write it down and read it. It says, why are you guys fighting so much? In James, it says, what, what causes wars among you? What causes strife among you? It's because you, you, ha- you don't have and you want. You're drawn away. You, you want whatever it is that you want. You're wanting after it and you're, you're, you're clawing after it and you're saying it's mine. And then James says this wonderful thing. He says, don't you realize that you have not because you ask not? Jesus gave everything. And was exalted by his father. After the crucifixion, you know what happened? He was raised from the dead three days. He taught, ministered for another 40 days. And then he ascended to the right hand of the father where he received the kingdom, power, glory. Right before he ascended, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. He was glorified. He was was magnified. He was Lifted up by the father himself. The mind that we're to have in Christ is this. I don't seek the glory of this world. It's passing away. It's useless. It's pointless. I don't seek my rights in this world. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about being a citizen of a country or something. I'm talking about in our interactions with each other. I do, you know, you don't, I don't deserve that. You don't treat me this way. I don't, we esteem others better than ourselves. We look on the things of others. It's talking about the body of Christ. So many people say that I'm part of the body of Christ and really all they do is just attend. They don't know anybody here at the body of Christ. And if you don't go to church here, you go somewhere else. That's where you need to be investing yourself. It's not here. It's not this is this building is not the only body of Christ here. I'm just saying you are to be invested in each other. He says he's talking to the Philippian church about the Philippian church. He's saying, look. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and he allowed God the Father to exalt him. He allowed God the Father. I once had like one, more, one more story and I'm going to quit. <clears throat> once had uh, Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house 
<coughs> they don't come anymore. <coughs> but uh, it was right after Brother Eddie preached the sermon. I don't know if y'all remember it. I think it was in Jude where he says, you don't, if, you know, heretic, you don't bid them Godspeed. You don't let them in your house and all that kind of stuff. So they knock on the door and usually I was like, yeah, come on in. But that, after that sermon, I was like, no, you can't come in here. And so I took them around to the back porch and we sat on the back porch and uh, was talking to them. By the way, if you ever talk to them, this is the passage to go to. And so I was, I was showing them this passage. We were talking about it. You know, I, I just, I didn't tell them I was a preacher or anything like that or, or whatever. We were just talking and she pointed to, it was a, a woman and her son. She pointed to this passage and you say, she said, you see, Jesus, Jesus was exalted by God, which means that Jesus is not God. So really, let me tell you what the truth is, and I'll show you, tell you what I said to her. <clears throat> Jesus took on the form of a man. He took on the nature of a man. He became God and man. And so when the Father exalted Jesus, when he brought him to the throne, when he gave him a name that was above all other names, understand what was happening. For the first time in eternity, for the first time ever, a man came to the throne room of God And was accepted, sinless, perfect by God. So now, right now, as we're talking, a man, a God man sits at the right hand of the father and has brought us as humanity with him who trust in him, who have repented of our sin and trusted in his cross for the first time ever. No man could ever say. That I'm good enough to come sit at the right hand of the Father. No man could ever say I'm good enough to come into the presence of the Father. I have not done anything that the Father looks away from or looks down upon. I've never sinned. I've never done anything. Nobody could ever say that. And so for the first time in all of creation, in all of the universe, a man entered the throne room of glory, sat down at the right hand of his Father, and now has brought all of those who trust in him into the presence of God without fear, with boldness. That's what he says. He says, look, he gave him a name which is above every other name at the name of Jesus. Every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. Listen, this is very important. Jesus did not just go back to business as usual when he ascended. He existed as the son of God in eternity. After he came to earth, after he died on the cross, after he was resurrected, he went back to the father, not as the son of God, the same way he was before, but as both the son of God and the son of man. And he exists today. Paul says in Colossians chapter two, he says, The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells, present tense. He had already ascended when Paul wrote that. Dwells in Christ. So when you get to heaven, when you pass away and go stand before the throne room of God, you will see Jesus, both God and man. He still exists today as both God and man. And that's why he's a mediator. He has brought God and man together who could never be brought together because of sin and the fall. You don't have to turn there, but at least write it down. This is something you need to know. This is something you need to know. The the passage is Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 22 and 23. If you don't want to turn there, just write it down. 
the sweet little Jehovah's Witness lady, at, when they left, I gave them some tea and said it was a very pleasant. We didn't argue or nothing like that. It was very pleasant, very wonderful. When she said, you see, Jesus is not God because God exalted Jesus and gave him a name. In Isaiah 45, 22 and 23, this is the verse that Paul is quoting. So I took her over to this passage and I said, would you read this for me? And she read it out loud. It says, look unto me. And this is God speaking. This is what she would call Jehovah, Yahweh. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me. What? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear, which is the same word as confess. So I asked her, I said, was Paul an actual apostle of God? Was he a right? And she said, of course he was. I said, who is speaking here in Isaiah 45? She said, that is Jehovah the one and only God. And I said, how could Paul quote the words of Jehovah himself and apply them to Jesus Christ if he wasn't God? And of course, we talked more. She didn't drop down and convert right there at the the time. But understand what, what Paul is doing here. He took this verse that was God himself. This was God. And before in verse 22 of Isaiah 45, he says, I am God and there is no other. And he says, to me, every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to f- confess. <clears throat> Paul took that language. He took that exact phrase and he quotes it in Philippians and he applies it to Jesus. He gave him a name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. Now, there's a lot of theological. I, I barely scratched the surface of all the things that we could talk about in that passage. It's so beautiful, such a wonderful passage, very theological, so deep. You could probably just study on that the rest of your life. But don't miss the point. The point is not just to give you a treatise about God and man, the hypostatic union or the Trinity or the father, son, spirit interaction. I mean, all that's there. It's it's. You can teach it from there, and there's, I do it all the time. The point of the passage is to say, you guys in the body of Christ are to have the same mind that Christ had. And that mind is this. He was way up here, and he actually deserved to be way up here. We don't. He was way up here, and he chose to go way down here because he loved us. And so when he says... Each one of you esteem others better than yourself in verse 2 and 3. Each one of you think on of the things of others, not just your own things. He's saying, look, what I want you to do, what he's saying when he says esteem others better than yourself, he's saying, I want you to follow Jesus. Jesus did the very thing that I'm telling you to do. That's what Paul would say. Jesus did the very thing that I'm telling you to do. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to follow him. So as we close, understand that the glory that we seek, the rights that we seek, the the people treating me good and, and all the things that we seek here, and I fall into it just like you do, it's all worthless. 
the things that make us mad and make us storm out of here. And it's just, it's just useless. It's worthless. But understand what he's saying. You have this mind. He says, you lower yourself. You, you esteem others better than yourself. And you let God the Father exalt you. Just like he did to Jesus. And even more than that, let me say it this way. Even more than that, understand that if you've trusted in Christ, if you've given him your heart, you've been born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, God has exalted you in Jesus Christ. He looks at you as child, son, perfect. He looks at you as adopted. Why are you fighting for the scraps when the T-bone is on the table waiting for you? Why are you fighting for the little glory that we have here and the little rights that we have here and the little things that I think I'm owed here when you have been seated in heavenly places in Christ? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he thought it not robber to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Understand you were called to be part of this body of Christ. If, this, if Christ church is where you call home, Home church, you are, you're called, you're commanded to invest yourself here. I'm not talking about just financially or just whatever. I'm talking about with each other. You're commanded. And if this is not your place, if this is where you, you don't feel that you can do that, then you need to go somewhere else where you can because that is a command in Scripture. That's a command in Scripture that you invest yourself in the body of believers, you not forsake the assembling together of one another, that you are to love one another, bear one another's burden, walk with one another, live with one another, rejoice when we, when we rejoice, uh, <clears throat> mourn and weep when we mourn and weep. You are called to be part of the body of Christ. And you say, I would say, you just don't understand what I got to do. You don't understand what they've done to me. Paul would say, what about Jesus? He humbled himself when he didn't have to. He humbled himself way farther than he's asking you to humble yourself. Because he actually deserved the glory he was getting. And he humbled himself not just to a man, not just to a servant, not just to death, but to the most humiliating, degradating death you could possibly imagine in the world. So that you could be at the right hand of the Father. We owe, we owe him. And his command for us, as I have loved you, love one another. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for what you have done for us.